0: Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. You need to know as
1: an investor market cycles. You need to know what your risk tolerance is. You need to know what kind of strategies you want to employ with your stock portfolio. It's the same thing. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about
2: how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools. And I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate. I'm your host, Kent Ritter. And today we've got Gino Barbaro as our guest. Gino is an investor, business owner, author, and entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, he's grown his real estate portfolio to over 1,500 multifamily units and is teaching others to do the same. Gino is the co-founder of Jake and Gino, a multifamily real estate education company that offers coaching and training in real estate founded upon their proprietary network of buy right, manage right, and finance right. He's the best-selling author of three books, Wheelbill Profits, The Honey Bee, and Family Food and the Friars. Gino graduated from IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, where he unders designation as a certified personal, uh, certified professional coach. He currently resides in St. Augustine, Florida with his beautiful his with his beautiful wife, Julia, and their six children. Thanks, Gino. I'm so excited to have you on today.
1: And Ritter on real estate. I love the title. (laughs) I love being here. Thanks for having me on. And uh, we're gonna have a good, good, a nice, excellent hour of giving value to people.
2: Yeah, I love this. Now, this is this is truly full circle for me now. You know, I Mm -hmm. mean, so for for all you listeners, so Gino and I have known each other for about two and a half years. Um, maybe a little longer than that now, but Gino has really been instrumental in uh, in my, I wouldn't say my start in real estate, but really the uh, the acceleration of my path in real estate as I started out um, following that, that framework of buy right, manage right, and finance right. And, and Gino uh, did some personal coaching with me and uh, really set me on the right path. So so I'm forever grateful here. And, and now now he's on my show. So mm-hmm. look at
1: this. <laughs> well, what was great about it was Ken has all the tools. He's a great family man. He's a great dude. Really smart. Make it happen. He has a lot of the Jake and Gino core values. One of the things I think that Ken had that a lot of us have when we start out is limiting beliefs or, or things that we think we know that we don't know. I, I think the, the aha moment for Kent was syndication, right? When Ken joined, yep. he didn't know what the word syndication was. I didn't either when yeah. I started my real estate journey. I was only limited to the amount of money that I had. And I think that's one of the amazing things when you go out and you get mentorship and you get personal development, you start looking at your limiting beliefs and and what's holding you back and saying, is that really holding me back? Is that really the money or is it just something that I don't know? And look at what's going on with the current pandemic right now. There are some companies that are going to get explode and some companies that are going to go away. And what are the differences between the two? And that's what I think with mentorship, with personal development and growth will help you answer those questions.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, today, Gino's here to talk to us about, um, we're going to dig into so- something pretty special. It's a framework that that he's put together, the eight-step due diligence framework uh, for passive investors. And uh, and it, we're going we're to walk through that. We're going to go through each step and, and understand what those are as we outline those. But before we get started, Gino, c- can you give us a little bit more, give the listeners a little bit more about your background and, and why you chose real estate and um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: For me, real estate was always in my blood, my family's blood. Uh, immigrants, both of my parents from Italy. And I got into the restaurant business a long time ago. After I got out of college, there were no jobs back in 92, 93. And I just bought a restaurant with my family and I loved it. Met my wife there. My kids worked at the restaurant. But the Great Recession comes, and I don't know. If anybody remembers that other pandemic, because that was a, that was world-changing, life-shifting for me and for a lot of investors out there and a lot of small business mm-hmm. owners. Things dried up. And I said to myself, I need to make more money. I just can't say in this one business, I couldn't scale the business. All of a sudden, technology comes, Grubhub, Uber Eats, everyone's delivering food, uh, profit margins are going down, chains are coming in. And, and I see the writing on the wall. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself back then, there are people making millions of dollars in this recession, I'm not one of them. What can I do to do that? And I just jumped into personal development and into mentorship, like I just mentioned. And I had to really expand and grow my mind. One of the books that really helped me out was T. Harv Eker's book, "The Secrets to the Millionaire Mind. For me, it was all about personal responsibility, about choosing. become responsible and choosing to take that course of action of what's the next step and for me it was real estate i didn't know what kind of real estate and you know we always preach kent education times action equals results i was Mm -hmm. taking massive action i went in i bought a mobile home park deal with somebody that crapped out because i didn't know the space i didn't get educated Same thing with a strip mall in New York. I just sold it a couple years back, jumped into that, didn't know that. And then ultimately I said, you know what? I like multifamily. I own a fourplex. I understand that. I knew even back then intuitively, it was a basic human need. People needed a place to live. I like to rent the place out and I like what we like to say, passive income. Nothing's truly passive, but this was a pretty easy endeavor. A couple hours a month, managing tenants, a problem would pop up every now and again. And and I like that concept. And that's really why I got into into, uh, real estate and specifically multifamily. Family. I like that control aspect. I like that it was a hard asset. I like the fact that I can control what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to sell it, refinance it, raise, you know, raise the rents. And I like the aspect that it was scalable. It's something where you can buy it and wow, you can scale the business. I saw that. So those are all the things that really attracted me to real estate.
2: Uh, thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's a couple of things you said are, are- core to what this show's about. I mean, one is, is education. I mean, mm-hmm. education and, and focus are, are really the two big things. Education mm-hmm. being that, you know, a lot of people, I, cause I did the same thing. Uh, when I started investing, I, I invested in a lot of different stuff, all, mm-hmm. all like res or all real estate, like tangential in, in some way, but, mm-hmm. but I wasn't focused. And, and so I wasn't, I wasn't great at anything. I, I knew a little bit about a lot of uh-huh. things, right. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that focus. And, um, once I got the focus and was really able to hone in on multifamily, then I was able to really focus on the education because mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't doing, you know, I wasn't doing a lot, uh, on, on a bunch of little things. I, I was doing a lot focused in one area. And so mm-hmm. that was huge. And, uh, and one of the big things that, that I want to preach to folks is the, the idea of education. I mean, as a passive investor, you've got to educate yourself. You have to be just as smart and just as educated as the guys that are going out and doing the deals, because you are, you're investing not only in the deal, but in the person that's running the deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So you've got to not only understand the deal and the market, you have to understand the sponsor and who they are. And it really starts there. Right. And, um, and so I think, I think that's critical for people to understand. I mean, I mean, I had my own experience where I invested with a bad sponsor. I lost some money because of it, because it was somebody that didn't have integrity. Mm -hmm. And that was really a kick in the pants to me to, um, you know, to get educated and understand what, why that happened and what I didn't see and how do I see it next time? So, so I know that's not going to happen to any of our listeners because you've got Mm -hmm. this eight step framework laid out for us. And uh, so why don't we dig into that and, and go ahead and walk through this and um, yeah, and let's get started.
1: So let me take a step back real quick. I just want to acknowledge what you said. You've come such a long way. Two years ago, you wouldn't have been able to have that conversation with somebody about passive investing and educating yourself and talking about sponsors and investing in a deal and knowing what a limited partner was. It takes muscles. I want everyone to realize that life is the long game if you want to become successful in anything. And multifamily, especially, it's a lot harder than single family in one respect. The single family home, you can buy it, fix it, flip it, you're in and out in three to six months if you're lucky it's a transaction. It's not an equity builder. I think choose the right vehicle that you're trying to get from point A to point B. And I think multifamily has multiple vehicles. There's multiple things that we can talk about. Just real quick, um, we preach the three pillars of real estate. Know why you're getting into a deal. I think when we go into it, it's the market cycle, the debt, and the exit strategy. Those three components are gonna show you what kind of deal it is and as a passive investor, like Ken said, it is your duty. It's almost like investing in a mutual fund. You're giving your money to a mutual fund, right? But what do you know what's in that mutual fund? You need to know as an investor, Market cycles. You need to know what your risk tolerance is. You need to know what kind of strategies you want to employ with your stock portfolio. It's the same thing when you're a passive investor, when you're investing in the, in the real estate is itself. And I think that you need to do some work because you're giving over your hard earned money to somebody. Obviously, the number one is the sponsor. That's the very first one in the eight step due diligence framework. You need to work with a sponsor. You need to look at their track record, right? Have they done this before? And if they haven't, well, that should take pause because do they have the credibility and if they don't maybe you shouldn't be investing with them there are a lot of sponsors out there who have done deals and it's funny when i first started in kent investing i didn't syndicate i did it backwards i bought my Mm. own deals i felt comfortable doing my own deals and I built up to become a sponsor of a syndication. We all need to start somewhere, right? So maybe if you're doing your first syndication, the sponsor has never done a syndication, does he own the real estate? It and you know, we're going to get into his team, his team members, but maybe if they haven't even gotten into real estate and they're trying to do their first deal and they haven't even done a deal yet, that should give you pause, right? Number two, ask them, do they have any case studies? I mean, even if they 've done them, can you show me some of your you know, recent deals you 've done? Can you give me a case study of a deal that you 're going to take down that you 're looking at? Just a, you know a general case study that you have mm-hmm. Number three, you want to list their team members who are you working with who 's your cpa right who 's your syndication yep. attorney? what we know, obviously your website. Uh, all our team members, do you have a property management company? For us, we're vertically integrated. So what that means as our team, we manage our own deals, we buy our own deals, we, do our own, we you know, raise our own capital, we have our own investors. So we are vertically integrated. So we can share that with everybody, but you want, you know, as a sponsor, to ask them, you know, who's on your team? have you done this before? And number four, you know, what is, what's the, what is the sponsor's investing strategy? Are they buying hold? Are they going to buy these assets for at least five years and hold them for a long time? Are they just a fix and flippers? Bam. Are they out there buying these in three years? And there's nothing wrong or right with either strategy. You just want to have a clear, concise idea of what they're doing on the front end to see if it's a great fit. You know, basic, what I like to tell people is if there's any salespeople out there, right? We use a tactic finding impact together, same side selling. Because you want to find impact together between the sponsor and between yourself, right? You mm-hmm. both want to grow. But if the sponsor or the partner, let's say, for instance, Jake and Gino. Jake was a big fix and flipper and he liked the shiny object syndrome, but I was long term. That partnership's not going to work. And it's the same thing between you as the passive investor and the sponsor. If your goals yeah. and your ideas don't align well, then maybe you shouldn't be investing together. You're not going to be finding impact together. And that's okay. Go out and ask a sponsor. Hey, Mr. Sponsor, do you know any other sponsors out there that have this model that I'm looking for? And that sponsor should be like, yeah, you know what, Kent? I do. I've got my friend who's doing these deals. So, you know, utilize the sponsors, see what they are and see how you can align and work well together amongst yourselves.
2: So, Gino, a question there. What's your, so we, we talked about experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what about their, their integrity Mm. their credibility. How do you how do you, how do do you you get a feel for that that's a uh, as great you're going question. to deal with somebody?
1: I should have probably said that's the most important thing, right? Because I've always been taught and I've, I, I really believe this. I think you go into a marginal deal with a great sponsor. I'd rather have that than a great deal with a marginal sponsor because you never know when a COVID's going to hit. That great sponsor is going to live up to their word, right? They're going to mm-hmm. live up to their mm-hmm. word. How do you get a feeling for it? you know, you just keep asking around, you keep, you know, as they say, you know, beating the shit, beating the, uh, the bushes. Right. And sooner or later things will start popping up. You know, you have to do Google searches. And if you really want to be neurotic, maybe do a background check on the person. Maybe you go out mm-hmm. and you do a criminal, you do a regular background check. You never know. Did they declare bankruptcy? Oh, well, can't, I see you declared bankruptcy five years ago. What, what happened? And Kent could be one of two people. Oh, oh, he can take it back or he can say, you know, this is what happened. And he's trying to be as transparent as possible for us. We allay a lot of the transparency by saying every quarter, we're going to have webinars with our investors on the deals. So on those quarterly webinars, we go through the income, we go through the expenses, we go through the CapEx budget, we go through everything. We give highlights on the property. Uh, That's one thing that's important. Now, every two weeks, we've also implemented Zoom hours on Fridays with our our, uh, syndication team member, Mike Taravella open hours. For two hours, he's going to be on Zoom. He's going to be answering questions from the investors. So if the investor has questions, because the big question now for the last two months, are we going to have owner draws going forward? The owner draws are in the bank. We don't know if the world is going to end. We need that money as a reserve. As soon as things clear up, We're going to get that out, but it's really the transparency and it's really the ability for the sponsor to to communicate and just go out there and continue to search as much as possible. Search the properties that they own, go on the Google reviews and see if there's some good or bad reviews. There's inevitably going to be more bad reviews, but ask them about those reviews and see see what they have. We're trying to work on customer service in our entire organization, entire entity. So that's really important for us working with that. So find out as far as transparency goes. That's the most important thing is the sponsor itself? is the sponsor going to live up to his end of the bargain?
2: yeah, thanks, and I think that's that was for me when I did my passive investing that that mm-hmm. was one of the big takeaways for me was it was some sponsors were very transparent, some were, were not at all some you, you never knew what was going on mm-hmm. and um, you know I hated that because I want to know what was going on so so that was the same for me as something I took away was you know, I want to be very transparent, and I think that that it's like with anything in life, communication it comes down to communication, right? Mm-hmm. Like I spent a lot of time as a consultant flying, and I always use this, this example of people in the airports because you know I, you'd be sitting there and a flight would be delayed, and as long as the as long as the airline was communicating, you know, every 15, 20 minutes, letting you know what's going on, letting you know they're working yes. on it. Like people were, were ultimately pretty calm
1: mm-hmm. in
2: the examples where the airline did not And you have people sitting there for an hour, hour and a half without knowing what's going on. I mean, you see the worst side of humanity in that situation. Mm-hmm. And it really all yep. came down to communication. So I think that's critical as a sponsor, you know, I want to invest with people that are transparent, know what's going on. I love that you guys are doing the, those office hours. I hadn't heard of that before. So I think Well,
1: that's we're great. trying to do different stuff. We're trying, we're creating a customer journey, a customer experience in each one of our entities, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the education side, the property management side, and the investor side is also important because just because you log in and you opt into somebody's List. You get a phone call with one of our team members. We want to continue that journey. We want to continue that that communication. It's important. See how the sponsor does his. Go online and see what their uh, you know customer journey, or customer experience is. Because, like you said, mm-hmm. the worst thing is to give bad news, and even worse than that is to delay giving the bad news. Right. So, right. I, like you said, I'd rather say this month we came up light on draws because. One of the pipes burst and we had to put an additional $15,000 in the CapEx. Telling them is is not the best thing in the world. You have to do it. But not telling them is 100% worse because they're going to be like, what else are they hiding from me? You don't want your investors thinking what else can go wrong. So being on the front end and communicating that is really important.
2: Yeah, great. What do we number have two. on the list? Yeah. Yes,
1: number two is the investor. So I'm going to read down these questions. So as a passive investor, this is, this is you. So Kent, we should say this. This, this document can use, be used in two ways. If you're a sponsor and you're creating... Uh, a deal, right? Let's say Ken Ritter is the sponsor. He can use these eight steps and create a presentation or a webinar based on these questions. So every time he gives it to a passive investor, the passive investor will have all these questions answered, right? And now we're we're, we're utilizing this as the passive investor that is asking these questions to the sponsor. So the second one, I'm the investor. I want to know myself, what is my risk tolerance? And, And you know, is multifamily risky? Is that too high up on my my risk, or do I just want mm-hmm. to deal with mutual funds or whole life insurance? That 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 you have to gauge that for yourself. That's really important. And you know, number two, where are your funds coming from? Ken, are you? Is your money coming from a self directed IRA? Do you have IRA funds? Is it coming from cash? Is it coming from whole life? Where is that money coming from? So you, as you can see, the syndicator always needs to ask that question because if I'm getting money from a self directed IRA, that time horizon can be much longer than if I'm getting some money from from right. somebody's a savings accounts. So that's important question to ask. Number three, how long is your time horizon to invest in the funds? That's really important because right now us as sponsors, we're trying to go to a different model. We're trying to go to a return of capital model where that's a long, long-term model. A lot of investors don't like that model because they're like, Hey, I need to have my money back. Whereas when we podcast somebody named Sam Freshman, he's been, you know, syndicating for the last 50 years. His biggest mistake was I sold too soon. So if a guy who's been doing it for 50 years is telling me that, interesting, that sounds like a really good plan. And it's something that's, I don't want to say outside the box, but very few people are employing it. But you just need the specific investor. And we have them in the Jake and Gino community that want to give us money, want to invest with us, and want us to keep it there. And that's truly passive, paying down the debt, holding it for generational wealth. If you can speak these words, you'll find that mm-hmm. right investor. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, what real estate markets are you currently invested in? This is something that every passive investor needs to understand. If you have a sponsor who's investing in the, in the Midwest, in the Rust Belt, ask him why. And he should tell you, well, this is our backyard. We like this area. I would push back and say, hey, you know what? I like the Southeast a little bit more because there's more job growth. There's more population growth. That's where the people are moving. Nothing wrong with the Rust Belt. I just want to understand why they're investing in those markets. And then you should understand that. And then obviously we dive into it. We're going to talk about cap rates and all. Then you can mm-hmm. understand the risk versus return model saying it's a little bit riskier there. You better be getting higher cap rates in those markets than you know the southeast in certain areas. So it's important what markets they're the sponsors investing in. Are you comfortable? Number five, with trusting someone else to make investments, are you picking individual properties? So you, as the passive investor, are you comfortable just giving your money to somebody else and letting them make the decisions? that's tough for some people to give control. And, and if, you have that, if, you're, if that's difficult for you, you may never enjoy becoming a passive investor because you're the control mm-hmm. freak. right? Mm-hmm. So that's something that you have to dive into. I think a little bit of life coaching going on there. right? Um, and number six is the same, same type of question. Would you prefer to have an active strategy or have a passively managed and diversified portfolio? I think one of the great things about being a passive investor is you can invest $50,000 into one deal $300,000 into another deal, you maybe even go into a self-storage deal, go into different asset classes, do a hotel, like we said, maybe there's some amazing opportunities to buy some hotels right now. Um, I mean, you see what happened at a price of oil contracts. Now there's these, all these storage areas first buying oil and storing oil because you can get it at such a cheap price. So there's so many different types of asset classes. Are you willing to do that? I think passive investing allows you to put a little bit of money in different places and you're diversifying your portfolio again uh, across different asset classes.
2: Yeah, I think that's a huge benefit of passive investing, right? Is mm-hmm. being able to diversify. It's like being able to split it up, spread it across the country, spread it, spread it across sponsors, mm-hmm. um, spread it across different different investment types. Like you said, so, so from an investor standpoint, are these these are questions that you're actually walking through? with an investor on your first call? Yeah. Is this what so, you're doing?
1: yeah. so for us as the sponsor, I, I want to know, I really want to know what, what what your risk tolerance is. I want to know where your money's coming from because if it's coming from a self-directed IRA and we're doing a deal right now, at times of the essence, you're going to need a couple of weeks to roll that money over. So I don't want to make sure that you're not in the deal because I didn't, I didn't educate you on getting that money over quicker. So I'm asking these questions to the investors because mm-hmm. like I said, the worst thing to have is an investor who doesn't align with a sponsor, because because then there's 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 questions and problems. And like I said, we've had a couple of pushbacks from a couple of investors that we didn't uh, we didn't send funds out first quarter. And I'm thinking to myself, are they living underneath a rock, or was it not proper expectations set? But that's just how it is. So you have to, as a sponsor, you have to choose your your investors. Also, it goes both ways, right? As a passive investor, you want to choose a sponsor, but the sponsors out there, you have to be able to look at the investors and say, do they align with me? Is it worth the grief and the headache and the time to deal with this investor uh, if something comes up? So aligning with it I think is important. Is an important thing to do. Mm-hmm. The next yeah, one is the market. We can, we can dive into the market. You see all the metrics in the market. Ken's gonna give you an, an option to, to download this doc so you can go through the doc, but you look at the market, you wanna make sure the sponsor, you as the passive investor, make sure that the sponsor really knows the market at a granular level. What's the cap rate? What is the exit cap rate? That he's going to be exiting if he's, if and when he's gonna be selling the property, right? Does he know the crime? Does he know the median income? of the, around the properties, right? You're asking median income around the property is important because we, when we rent apartments, we basically want three times income. So if you're renting an apartment mm-hmm. for a thousand dollars a month, the median income in that area should be at least $3,000 a month for the tenants. And it also gives you an idea of the tenant base there, right? What are the factors Do you, what are the factors you as a sponsor like or not like about the market? There, there might be some things you don't like about the market. and There might be some things you do like get a feel from the sponsor, what he thinks, right? Then there's so many different metrics. We've listed all the metrics, whether it's job. Job growth population growth occupancy proximity to jobs really make sure that the sponsor understands that market that's an important factor because you, once you buy the asset real estate's great there's leverage there's control but there's not as much liquidity, right? Because once you buy an asset, you're there. So, and when you're buying an asset, you're buying a future stream of revenue, a future stream of cash flow. So you need to make sure that for the long-term, you'll be able to actually collect that rent. So it's important that you analyze the market and make sure those trends are favorable to the asset.
2: So Gino, on the market, what's the, there's a, there's a lot of metrics. It's important to understand all of them, but, mm-hmm. but what's, the, what's the most important one that, that our investors should be asking the sponsors about?
1: That's a tough question. Great question. You know, I want to know that there's jobs there. So when you're doing when you're doing due diligence, you want to do a lease audit. One of the things that we do, and in the lease audit, we'll discuss the types of jobs. So you'll see your your tenants. What kind of jobs do they have? Right. Right now, COVID's tough because in certain areas, if there's blue collar jobs, some of those some of those. Assets are not going to get collected. If there's mm-hmm. more blue collar, white collar jobs, a lot of people working from home. So understand your tenant base. I think job growth and population growth, you want some, right? Because right now, if you're losing jobs and you're losing population, that means there's less demand for your asset. That means you can't raise rents or at least keep rents where they are. And that ultimately equates to income going down and that equates to the valuation of your property going down. So I'm not going to say blanket statement, I don't want you know, neg- zero job growth. But if you're investing in, in your backyard and you're vertically integrated, you can still buy down value. You can still pay a higher cap rate, lower price and still be okay. Right. But I would want to have some kind of job growth. I'd want the population growth. I want enough employers in the market so that if one or two go bankrupt, you still have other employers. If you're like Rochester, New York, where you had Kodak, mm-hmm. and Kodak goes under, well, mm-hmm. who else is there? Cleveland with the Cleveland Clinic if they go under they're probably not but I'm just saying you never know right or if you go into a a small manufacturing town and there is a Volkswagen or a Harley Davidson and all of a sudden they shutter that operation then you're in big trouble so I think understanding the employees in the market are really important and also I'd like to see where rents have been and where they're going for the last you know previous three years and in the next couple years because that's important that'll be able to see where our demand for our product is and, and and the supply uh going into that product.
2: Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.